Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to Pubs, Pints, People. I'm Claire Phillips. My co-presenters today are a welcome back to David King and our newest presenter, Helen Smith. Dave joined last episode and it's lovely to have you back again, David. And you've, of course, been working behind the scenes as, as well with all the editing. But also we have Helen today, our latest presenter. Helen, welcome to the show and tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Helen Ann Smith. Uh, I'm the founder and co-editor of the drinks publication and platform Beerum Collective. I've been working in beer and hospitality for about four years and I've been um, pretty involved with cider for the past two. I'm queer and non-binary, I use they, them pronouns and I kind of do a bit of work with various different groups with, you know, trying to help make the drinks industry more accessible and um, inclusive generally. So it's great to be here, so thank you. It's good to have you here, Helen, because today we are exploring a somewhat thorny but very important topic, which is how can we improve diversity and inclusion within the beer world? It's not exactly a new topic to the podcast. Uh, Some listeners may remember our Pub of the Future episode last season. We had a a women and beer feature in our first season. But actually, equality and diversity isn't just a one and done subject. It's something that really you know we'll be revisiting over and over it's an area we need to make progress and improvements i mean i think that so many people are nervous to even start the discussion of uh diversity inclusion i know a lot of people get you know a bit nervous about getting things wrong and i think that people often forget about it is that diversity inclusion is about people and the end result can only improve situations for everyone you know it's about equity um it's not necessarily just about specific groups of people it is quite literally for everyone and then it's going to make um you know the world a better place it's it's almost just kind of repeating the the be kind message that we heard so much mm. during the pandemic isn't it it's, it's 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 really in some ways that that's a very simple way of putting it but it is be kind mm. yeah for sure and i think um i do see sometimes people talking about companies i mean this in this specific context alcohol brands and bars you know they should be neutral and sticking to what they know but unfortunately if you own a business that means you're more than likely to employ people and if you've got a venue that means you'll host people so it it kind of all goes all goes back to it i'm um i'm involved with unite hospitality which is the hospitality branch of unite the union and um it's something that I'm super passionate about is ensuring that diversity and inclusion is something that we factor in and is integral to our fight for better working conditions and, um, I mean, overall, a better culture for pubs and bars. 
do you find that people coming into the industry, because I guess traditionally it's an industry that, that young people come into a lot, perhaps they're not familiar with being in a union and that they might not know where to go for help. And, and, and also I think there are more organisations around that do help the hospitality industry as, as well. But, but for somebody perhaps starting their first job and feeling that they might be either feeling different or feeling bullied or not sure who to talk to, it's maybe harder than than for somebody who's kind of been working for 30 years or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the problem is, is that so often in hospitality or drinks, you don't you don't know what your rights are, what is accessible to you. Uh, I think the union conversation specifically is one that is, uh, you know, it can be quite controversial. I know uh, some venues and spaces where employees are not allowed to talk about unions unionization is such a uh, controversial subject because i think it's just seen as you know you're trying to go against them so yeah. whereas actually you know it's all about again it's all about equity it's trying to keep people on a, a level playing field and I, I would i that's what i'm kind of hoping is that we can get more young people to basically just have more autonomy and become more active and know what their rights are and how to protect themselves We've actually seen a lot of beer brands struggle with this recently as workers have become more empowered to fight back and go public with their complaints. And we've probably all seen the high-profile cases in the news recently, such as the open letter signed by over 75 former BrewDog employees that describe, and I'm quoting here, a culture of fear and toxic attitudes towards junior staff. Yeah, there certainly was a, a lot of publicity uh, about that and um, I think that's you know perhaps not the first time that that particular company has been in the headlines um, for, for controversial reasons but there were protests last year outside the Danish craft brewers Mikola headquarters a similar reporting of detailed claims from former employees of gender-based bullying harassment retaliation and other unacceptable behaviors that that allegedly went unchecked by management the company has responded to this it said how it had addressed those allegations and it also said that it prioritized a safe and inclusive workplace and we can't pretend that camera isn't immune from this we'll be hearing from camera's vice chair abby newton later on in the program about the consultation into equality diversity and inclusion within camera which has asked for first-hand accounts from members and non-members so that the organization can hopefully address them in the future And we want to use this episode to look at some positive ways forward and find how individuals can really make a difference in this area. We were speaking with Danny Clare from the charity Ask for Clive later, who will tell us about the Pub Pride initiative and how his local campaign to get pubs to support the LGBTQ plus community has gone nationwide. Yeah, and I think there are some really positive moves in in the industry, which we didn't see even just a few short years ago. You mentioned Ask for Clive, which we'll be hearing about. Uh, There is, of course, another initiative that similarly helps people who feel vulnerable called Ask for Angela. And I'm sure you can find details of these online if you're not aware of them, because there's become almost a tidal wave of women as well, becoming more active and involved in the beer world, fighting against sexism from the Women on Tap conference to Beer Without Beards, the Crafty Beer Girls group. And it's not just a a reinforcement of those efforts, but an extension of them to be more inclusive to other marginalised groups. I mean, I think that sometimes it can maybe feel a little bit, you know, doom and gloom when you're kind of looking at the face of it. But yeah, you're right, there there are so many really exciting groups and platforms and initiatives uh, that are going forward. There's a lot of people doing some really hard work and doing hard work from a not necessarily a position of power and it's 
you've got just bar staff who are just trying to do the best they can to try and help improve the industry. Something that I'm actually really excited about is the British Guild of Beer Writers have just announced their uh, new diversity in beer writing grant. It's in collaboration with Good Beer Hunting to highlight stories that celebrate diversity and inclusion uh, within beer, pubs and the wider hospitality industry. This is so cool. I think it's a really fantastic initiative to provide a platform for inspiring beer writers, particularly those from marginalised communities. And yeah, I mean, we'd encourage anyone who might be looking to develop their skills in beer writing to have a look into the project. So the website is www.goodbeerhunting.com forward slash British dash guild dash grant. Now, let's hear a really uplifting interview. Helen talks to Danny Clare, who runs the Ask for Clive initiative, which organised Pub Pride on the 27th of May, a day where pubs across the country were encouraged to organise LGBTQ plus events to support the community ahead of Pride Month. I'm one of the founders of Ask for Clive. Um, professionally, I'm a marketeer. I work in branding. I worked in sports and entertainment and events uh, my whole career and sort of really had a passion for people enjoying themselves and being outside and uh, <laughs> smiling lots. So uh, myself and Clive Duffy in 2019, after seeing uh, a pretty sharp rise in uh, discriminatory incidents and behaviour towards the um, LGBTQ community where we live in and around the nighttime economy, we founded Ask for Clive as a message to say everyone is welcome here. And if you are a victim of or witness to any form of discrimination, to please uh, take that up with staff or security. We talk a lot about peer pressure and environment you grow up in and calling out your friend when he thinks that he's being funny and throwing out a bit of banter when um, what they're saying or doing is harmful and discriminatory and basically unacceptable. How do venues get involved with Ask for Clive? We started it as a local campaign, had a positive reaction and thought we were kind of onto something. Then some organic demand started coming in. Then we were on BBC Breakfast. And the next day, my good friend Alicia helped me respond to the 900 emails we received. So from there, we set up an online registration. We are actually going through a process of changing that right now. We want to ask a few more questions. We want to increase the level of commitment that is made in terms of what our partner venues are offering and what they're saying they're going to do. It's very important to us that our campaign is a positive one and the sticker is a message on the front door. It displays a Progress Pride flag background and the first message is everyone is welcome here. So we want to be seen as a pro-inclusion or an inclusivity campaign rather than an anti-discrimination campaign. I don't know how you personally feel in pubs, but for myself personally, I've I've never really been super comfortable in pubs and I didn't really start drinking beer until I was in my mid-twenties, mainly because I just wasn't ever in those in those venues. I'm a straight, white, married male. I grew up with a gay brother. I watched a lot of the abuse that was uh, levied against him. I have a non-binary son who is happy to be described as that and asked to be described as such. And, you know, it's something that I think for everyone, it affects their colleagues, their friends, their family, their neighbours you know, too much turn a blind eye. So for me, it's about the environment and I don't want people to go through that pain. You know, I can't say that this is my pain. I can't say that's what it did to me. It didn't. I can only ever report on what people have told me. And certainly we get emails from people who say, I get constant abuse, I get this, I get that. We know that the levels of unreporting to the police are absolutely huge. 
And that's something that we want to really, really work on and empower people to do that. You know, think about what needs to be reported. You know, as you say, pubs didn't necessarily feel like a, a welcoming place when you were younger. Like myself, most of the people who are displaying Mars for Clive sticker are straight white males in their in their forties, fifties, sixties, the landlords. And they want that environment. And we've had some incredibly positive conversations with some just wonderful people who, who really, really backed and supported that and insisted on it in their venues. Now, one of the greatest things has been how much um, some of the rural venues have embraced um, Ask for Clive in the campaign. And as we talk about pub pride, I'd like to move on to some of those. But the testimony that we get back when someone walks into their rural pub and they're one of what seems, you know, quite an isolated member of a very small LGBTQ plus community. It's very warming to them. One of my favourite quotes was, you know, I always thought this was where my dad watched the football. So the more that it can be shown that these are inclusive places and the minority is the discriminator, not minorities as are defined by society. You know, we want to reduce that minority and just make it completely unacceptable. Let's talk about pub pride what is Pub Pride and how do people get involved? Pub Pride is an extension of the Ask for Clive campaign. You'll always see the words Ask for Clive written with Pub Pride because it's taken off in quite a big way and we don't want it to get bigger than Ask for Clive. <laughs> really, it's an event that promotes basically welcoming Pride Month in the local community. For example, St Albans, we had over 30 pubs. We know that we do not have a queer community that's going to fill all of those pubs. So we ask that friends, family, colleagues celebrate and you know, make it a very special night for their local community. That's been driven really by Sean Hughes, who is one of our trustees. He has Dylan's in the boot in St Albans. Uh, also happens uh, to be a gay man and you know started out really here locally and, and the platform really empowers venues to again bring in the month and celebrate it and then we ask that they basically engage so we've had some wonderful events some really great testimony over the weekend and people walking through doors that they were quite nervous about i think demographically it's, it's very wide as well we had hertfordshire gay outdoor group who came to our opening at st saviour's church they left after our opening event. They took a rural walk to the Rose and Crown in Sandridge and had a pint there. And then they walked through No Man's Land, another two and a half miles, and ended up at Farbrew's Elephant and Castle, sat in the garden with some of our pub pride bunting around and enjoyed a few pints of um, pride pale as was brewed by Farbrew. There were no disco lights, no dancing. It was kind of doing what they do in their local community and celebrating who they are. But Weymouth Gay Group in the Waterloo pub, they had stalls, they had information, they had decorations, and some of the photos coming back are phenomenal. The Opo Bar, Alec, shaking a pub pride tin, flags everywhere, neon lights. Quote was, what a memorable night for pub pride and Ask for Clive. Memorable on so many levels, but joy for many and enlightening personal testimonials from others about life's journey. And he says, we love pub pride. I think what the industry needs is help from everyone a lot of the people who are maybe more vulnerable don't necessarily have the power to change things it's, it's far from being just me clive duffy it's named after clive clive works for the terence higgins trust is uh, chair of hearts pride and has campaigned for many many years um he will speak first and foremost about how discrimination affects the community firsthand. Mm. Sean, as I say, very instrumental in pub pride. We have ambassadors. We're looking to extend that. So the campaign is not about us at all telling people what to do. It's empowering mm-hmm. inclusion both ways, both in 
opening the door and having people walk through it. And I think it's, yeah. it's also important to us that it should be both uplifting and good for good for business. And we certainly know locally a lot of people had a very good night on Saturday night, um, not only in terms of the revenue, but the, the atmosphere around the place was really, really good. Mad Squirrel Brew, based quite locally in their um, Mad Squirrel Tap, sorry, in St Albans. We work with Open House Film Club, who, who will put out a lot of queer cinema. Um, they put on a Rocky Horror fancy dress upstairs in the Mad Squirrel. Uh, people came dressed up, huge party atmosphere. Mad Squirrel brewed two beers for the campaign this time, one called the Clive, one called the Unity. So it was like the complete package. They really, really went for it, and it's kind of what we want to see. And next year, we're going to extend that out. We've got a number of awards. I think we gave three for last year, which were fundraiser, collaboration, and venue. We definitely want to add rural venue unique event, collaboration, and I think the collaboration piece is part of what localises it as well. So we've had Far and Mad Squirrel um, have special beers. We'd like to see that regionally as well. So how did Camera get involved? Camera have always been kind of very supportive, and I think our first connection was I went to the Nottingham Robin Hood Beer Festival in 2019. You know, we were founded the year before the pandemic. You know, that was great, and a, really, a real kind of eye-opener for me, and Looking at some of the things that were going on there, and I think back to the pictures of some of the kind of queer characters that I met on the day and having the signage up, it, it was just great. We're going to be at the Great British Beer Festival. We produced locally for St Albans uh, one and a half metre tall pride pint. So our logo is basically a pint filled with the pride flag. Um, and they were walking all around town and in front of the museum. And I've got some great pictures of people with those what do you think that we can do, I guess, to help in beer, brewing and the sort of pub industry to make it more inclusive and welcoming? I think it's fundamentally about creating the environment. You know, if you think about going to the beach right, in uh, Australia and there's a sign up that says, beware of the sharks, you're not going in the water, are you? No. Right? <laughs> beware of the sharks stops you getting kind of bitten by a shark. The alternative and the way some things work is like you go in the water, you get bitten by the shark and there's a sign on the way out that says, if you have been bitten by a shark, please call 911, which is no use. Right? So what, we, what we're doing collectively is basically saying to the sharks, it's unacceptable to bite. Right? And to everyone else, you know, the water's going to be fine because the sharks, <laughs> not that I want to decrease shark numbers, this is either brilliant or terrible, but um, I'll let you do as you can with it. Uh, <laughs> But you get my kind of analogy. And it's like, always thinking about there's a flip side to every campaign and how you talk about things. So for us, it's a welcoming environment. I think these messages and seeing a little bit of something that represents yourself is very key. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at the website earlier and, I mean, the list of pubs is really long, which is absolutely fantastic. How have you found working with all of these different businesses? We're quite small at the moment, trusty and volunteer run. One of the key objectives about Pub Pride this year was to generate enough revenue to start putting boots on the ground, increase our training, increase our visibility within kind of the offices and we really get people out on the road talking about this, go to events, have something special at the Great British Beer Festival, um, things like that. So I think an expansion will come with our growth because of awareness and we'll see what we get out this week in terms of media. We work with Punch, came on board last year. Mm-hmm. Incredibly grateful for, for the business and support they've given us. They described it on Friday night as a real authentic relationship. I want to encourage that, you know, it, it isn't 
it's like a puppy isn't just for for Christmas. Ask for Clive isn't just for pub pride. You know, yeah. uh, if you're going to work with us on this and be a partner, um, it has to be truly authentic and it has to live and breathe itself and, and be consistent message 365 days a year. Oakman put us in every single one of their pubs this time around and just brilliant with their signage. They had staff T-shirts with the Progress Pride flag on and a lot of collaborations. They also got Surrey Pride involved, which we were really pleased to see and did uh, a beer promotion with them. And then more recently, leading up to the campaign, All Bar One came on board. This isn't necessarily camera appropriate, but we tend to have a, a lot of cocktails uh, prepared mm-hmm. for pub pride. Um, I, you know, we've, we've had a couple of beers, but it seems to turn into a bit of a kind of metropolitan cocktail competition. And the challenge is, you know, as a marketer myself, it's like, you know, what is the meaning behind this? How authentic is it in terms yeah. of ingredients, colour and decoration and presentations? Again, a really good example of how people bring it to life. It's not enough just to put the signage up, you know, that's not going to get the uh, population of New York pride walking through your door. There has to be an engagement, it has to be authentic and meaningful. And I think that that's something that the brewing industry definitely need to do more of. And I think if you are worried about getting something wrong, it's always good to, you know, have someone to help you through that. If you do get it wrong, some people then are too scared to jump back in. Trying to do everything you can beforehand and then you can work from it from there. I think as we expand those resources as well, if someone doesn't have someone locally, we'll, we'll find someone within our group to say, talk yeah. to me. And I think with the content that we've got from this year, we can suggest events for next. Thank you so much, Danny, for speaking with me today. Um, are there any more events coming up throughout the year? No, we just do one night. And again, it, it is really important to us that we don't impinge on any other events. So it will always okay. be before Pride Month. We'll do it probably the last Friday in May next year. People want to work with us, do get involved. We're very easy to find. We want more beers. We want more venues next year, more engagement, and again, more funding to create welcome spaces. Thank you so much, Danny, for speaking with me today. Um, Are there any more events coming up throughout the year? No, we just do one night. And again, it it is really important to us that we don't impinge on any other events. So it will always be before Pride Month. We'll do it probably the last Friday in May next year. People want to work with us, do get involved. We're very easy to find. We want more beers. We want more venues next year, more engagement, and again, more funding to create welcome spaces. I loved that interview. I particularly enjoyed hearing about the Elephant and Castle um, in Hertfordshire at, at Amwell Wheat Hampstead, which I haven't been to for probably about 30 years. It certainly sounds very different um, to, to when I last visited it. And I also, I got a bit confused about the beware of the sharks analogy, but I think I kind of got it in the end. Um, and, you know, perhaps the biggest message from that interview is that all of us, any of us, might be in a situation where we could feel uncomfortable that somebody is being bullied or made to feel unwanted or, you know, that's directed at ourselves and we don't know what to do about it. And, you know, as I said at the start to Helen, really, if you take one thing away, just just be kind, mm. you know, be, be kind. It would be great not to have to have stickers in, in pub windows saying that, you know, they are particularly tolerant places everywhere. You know, that it would be wonderful if everywhere just thought perhaps differently than than has mm. been the, the, the experiences in recent past. 
Absolutely. Uh, I mean, even if we ignore the ethical aspect about inclusivity, uh, just the right thing to be aspiring to, but surely it makes commercial sense for pub landlords to do everything they can to increase the number of customers through the door. I mean, the more that a wider range of people feel welcome in your pub, the more likely they are to come in and to stay for a while. And the thing that I thought was really great is that rural pubs are embracing the campaign. Yeah, and I had a really, I had a really great time talking with Danny. And the, you know, issue of feeling safe in pubs is something that um, I'm really glad to see being tackled. From a personal perspective, I love Casper, so uh, I'd love to be able to just pop into more pubs instead of trying to like, you know, peer in through the windows, gauge a vibe <laughs> just from the outside. Um, but yeah, I mean, beer, beer should be something that's accessible to all, but not just beer. Like the spaces have the potential to be you know, more community hubs for everybody. I think a lot of rural pubs, certainly that, that I've seen, are doing exactly that. You know, they're, they're supporting their community first and, and foremost. And, you know, if everyone is welcome. I mean, I, I can remember going into pubs, um, you know, living in, in a fairly rural county as I do. You walk into a pub and the place falls silent and everyone looks at you and it's, oh, mm. you're not from round here. Um, and that <laughs> that doesn't actually matter, you know, what, what your ethnicity is, what, you know, what your gender is. It's, it, it is just the fact that it's, it is that person is not from round here. Mm. Um, and that could just be like the next village. And really, those days need to be behind mm. us now. And, and I'm pleased to say that a lot of the pubs... Um, that, that I know are so it doesn't matter if you've never set foot in there before or you've been in there every day of your life you are made to feel welcome and 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 that's you know that that's what it's got to be all about particularly in in um, less well populated areas where where every customer is probably critical to that pub's survival mm. and that's the that's the difficult thing as well that you know you walk into a space and you you know you might have all of the customers in the pub looking at you and the amount of times, I mean, me and me and my wife are regularly like, cool, so is this a they don't know who we are thing or is it a queer thing? Like, we're always trying to gauge mm-hmm. and I think we shouldn't even have to be thinking, you know, is this, uh, are you just being rude to me because you're rude or are you, uh, <laughs> are you homophobic? Like, it's a really odd sort of thing that you always try and work out in your head. And unfortunately, I guess the rude people are always going to be rude, um, whether they're just, just exactly. rude or, as you say. <laughs> um, but let, let's hope that we are on a pathway to make discrimination of any type, not only unacceptable, but, you know, unfashionable, unacceptable. And camera supported Pub Pride as part of its Summer of Pub campaign. It listed all the events taking part on a dedicated map. And you can find this on the website, summerofpub.camera.org.uk. Camera also supports the Ask for Clive initiative, which we heard about and that will be in place at the great british beer festival later on this summer and that takes us nicely into our second interview because camera is taking steps to understand the experiences of its members and non-members that they have with the organization a move that was labeled woke by several red top newspapers uh, shedding some light on what the camera inclusion diversity and equality review actually means is abby newton interviewed for us by alison tafts from the hop in and hop shop so I'm here with Abby Newton, the National Vice Chairman of Camera. So first of all, could you give us a bit of a background about the IDE survey that's been happening? Yeah, sure, Alison. Um, it's it's actually part of a, a big project to just review where Camera is with IDE. Uh, there's obviously a lot of focus on it in the outside world, and there's a huge amount of 
perception that the beer industry in particular is not inclusive and obviously we're part of the industry in some way even though we're campaigners and we're volunteers but there's this male perception still and there's this white male perception a middle-aged white male perception so we come across potentially as not being inclusive and not being welcome to everybody so we thought let's kick off a review and see where camera is and see what we can do to help ourselves internally and then help us our perception externally as well excellent so was that the sort of the motivation for the launch of the, then the survey that you did? We got a group of people together, many of whom are professionals in this area and some of whom are very experienced volunteers within the campaign already. And this group said, what are we going to do? How are we going to address this? And we said, well, do we actually know what's going on? Whilst we within our own group can say we need to change this, we need to change that, we needed to have a wider perception. So we went out to the camera and we went out to the press and we said, we have this survey, you tell us what you think. And that survey was really popular, really popular. We got an awful lot of data back. That's great to hear. So there was it really piqued people's interest for sure. It really did, and and sometimes we heard things that we were expecting to hear, and sometimes we heard things that we didn't want to hear, because everybody has their view of the world and their perception of the world, and sometimes you just you can't always take a view from someone else's point of view if you're not that other person. Quite. So you're, you're dealing with that as you sort of sift and, and, and work your way through these results. It's going to be very interesting to see what that is like as we go on. So uh, where are we up to now in the process, Abby? Well, the, the analysis of that survey is ongoing. We've had the initial cut of the data. Uh, so we have an understanding of who's filled it in and, and what the demographic is and the general shape of the feedback and also the specifics obviously that we will potentially need to address individually and also as part of the overall review we took a decision to review all camera paperwork which was a huge undertaking to identify how much there was um, with a large organisation. The governance is, is huge and we've, we've acquired things over the years. Uh, we do have to look at things like our disciplinary process and our code of conduct, our volunteers charter, but also things like um, what it's like to be a bar manager at a beer festival and how you do manual handling at a beer festival because just those things are a little dated and they're worded wrong and and you sometimes realize that you're potentially breaking the law for a protected characteristic for example if you say women shouldn't go and do cask lifting at a beer festival because they're women (laughs) i don't we're not that blunt but if that implication is there then it's it's wrong and, and that particularly is illegal so we've undertaken to review a huge amount of paperwork which is i think about 60 different bits been very eye-opening very eye-opening there are nine protected uh, characteristics by law aren't they under the equalities act which um yeah we have to make sure that everything we've written and everything we do uh isn't not however inadvertently in some way discriminating discriminating against that population and it sounds to me like you've had a huge job as every organization does and the bigger the more complex and there's no doubting you've had a lot to do there i, I was going to say the protected characteristics but the one the one that's at the top of the list is age and i find that that particularly interesting as our demographic is aging uh when camera started most of the members were quite young 
as we're aging it's not quite aging with us we do have younger members but uh i find that one very interesting because it wasn't one i'd particularly considered before yeah um, i guess there's many things uh, to be aware of with that isn't there? there's many potential pitfalls and, and the, all the guidance that can be given from central camera will be enormously helpful i'm sure to volunteers and uh, different groups as they go forward so can you share with us what some of the initial findings are that you you've had Abby? yeah i mean it is ridiculously early days on Unfortunately, because we've had quite a lot of foundation to do. But one big thing that stands out is training. And that's not because people are ignorant and don't have an interest in it. We've had a huge amount of support for the project. It's just that people don't realise sometimes that they're not aware of things that could be improved or that they say something that's inadvertently inoffensive or, or they're not taking into account somebody else's maybe mental health or invisible disability. So there's a huge amount of training to do at all levels of the campaign. That's a big, big one that we will be rolling out sooner rather than later. I think that will be priority number one. And obviously changing this paperwork so we have the foundation right. But we can change things at our beer festivals and on our website as well. Simple things like making sure that the website is accessible, which I think it is 99%, but just reviewing that all the time. Things like signage being in clear font and uh, not necessarily on a white background because of people who have sight problems. Uh, there's little things like that that we can do relatively quickly. Yeah, it's fantastic to get those important little wins in, isn't it, in, with something like this. I guess the interest here is how these messages get across the organisation into the local branches, isn't it? Because obviously, mindful of how large cameras reaches across the country. We do need to make sure that this message gets to as many people as possible and in the right way. I think actually we have the benefit of now being in a situation where we can do training online without excluding people who are not online, as well as the face-to-face training that we could offer. So we actually already have two different environments in which we can train, and that means we can ensure that more people are reached. We can also do videos as well and shared PowerPoints and anything else electronic that we could just put on our website and allow people to review whenever. So that's a good advantage But yes, we have to do a huge job in changing culture. And that's what it boils down to. It's getting away from the culture that we've always had. And and sometimes little in-jokes about things which were deemed funny a few years ago and just aren't really acceptable anymore. It is going to be hard, but the enthusiasm we've had for the first wave of this project has been tremendous. And actually, interestingly, when we did launch... Some people said, well, if you're just going to be woke, then I'm going to leave the campaign. Mm. It was sad. We don't like losing members ever because we know that they're in it because they support Real Ed and they want to be part of the campaign. But we're not being woke. We're being inclusive. We don't wish to upset anybody. We don't wish to upset them. But they've distanced themselves from it. And we would rather include people who want to be inclusive. I think that sounds like an excellent motto for the future. What are the plans in the future, Abby? As I said, we were, we're still halfway through some of the discussions, so we're just coming to the end of the legwork part of the project, much more into the doing and the rolling out the changes part of the project. So we haven't discussed any details around that yet. I think that's going to be quite an intensive conversation. 
I don't wish to not tell you, and I'm very happy to come back at another time and tell you what we have done and and how we've done it. But I think I would be preempting some of the discussions that we are going to have, and and we've got some such great people on our committee, and we've also got some people who've come forward to help with training that we want to involve. And I think it's not me to decide. You know, it's it's the it's the committee, it's the campaign to decide. I'm just heading it up and it's in the nature of inclusivity. We want to be including and get people's ideas. I, I totally mm. appreciate that's where you are. And um, obviously we would look forward to having you come back on to the podcast and just update us further. We're all very interested to see what the next steps are and uh, change for positive uh, in the future. Well, thank you and thanks to the listeners. And I, it, if I may, I'd just like to say if anybody is interested who's listening and wants to get more involved externally or internally, then give me a shout because everybody is welcome to pitch in and give us a hand. It's, it's big and it's a culture change for an organisation. We need everyone to help. I mean, if there are two adjectives I think we'd like to see applied to our local pub, it's welcoming and safe. And that's really the driving desire for the survey, because the only way we can be sure that no groups are being excluded is to understand the makeup of the membership. And um, yeah, I'd certainly echo Abby's invitation to anyone who'd like to become more involved in the project. Welcoming and safe is, is you know, really what, uh, what we all want from our pubs. And perhaps that's a good point to um, turn to our We're Only Here for the Beer section of the podcast, where we look at pubs that we've visited we've enjoyed visited or or perhaps we want to visit again and and pubs that hopefully everyone can find in the good beer guide i'm I'm turning to the 2021 edition and a pub that i visited just while i was on holiday in cumbria it's in ings which is quite near windermere it's called the watermill in and i just only popped in for a drink on the main a road into windermere so you'll go past it if you're traveling in that area if you're on holiday and again you're thinking oh it's in a little village I'm a tourist here. I might only be visiting once for the first time in in years, but I found it so welcoming. The 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 lady behind the bar had a good chat with me, told me a bit about the beer that they brew. They really welcome dogs as well, which was great because we had our dog with us. They even have a, a special food menu for dogs, I'm told. It's a family-owned, family-run pub, and it's been welcoming visitors for over 30 years. And, yeah, re- really welcoming place. The Watermill at, at Ings in, in the Windermere area. I've got a pub that I've visited sort of during the pandemic when uh, well, it's actually last year when for various reasons we had to keep nipping back to uh, Yorkshire on the east coast and this is in Hull uh, it's just on the sort of edge of the old town and right by the riverside and it's called the Minerva pub sort of good range of well-kept real ales and uh, if you happen to be in Hull well worth a visit do try I'll recommend their steak pie comes with mashed potato and a big jug of gravy you can pour on it absolutely great goes with lovely with the beer sounds fantastic (laughs) what Mm. about you Helen which pubs are among your favorites I mean my my all-time favorite pub will probably always be the yew tree which is uh in Peterstow which is uh I think like pretty much next to or into my geography is not very good uh, but it's uh, definitely near Ross on Y um, that um, pub is managed by Martin Johnson of Ross on Y Cider and Perry it's just such a nice pub I mean the Johnson family themselves are just some of the most welcoming and uh, hospitable and yeah just just fantastic people I think I've met in the drinks industry generally and it's been Really nice. Martin sort of, you know, took over the pub maybe just over a year ago and he's done an absolutely fantastic job. And 
that him and his team do are just so brilliant and they always make sure that everyone's comfortable and they support a variety of different diverse drinks uh, initiatives and also there's amazing pizza uh, which is you know one of the other great things cider and pizza is the perfect pairing so but uh, also their cask beer is fantastic too so we're heading now also to another uh, cider area, really, in, in the West Country. As we move into the height of summer, we're focusing this this episode on Camera's South Devon branch, which has several beer festivals. I'm sure they do cider as well, because why wouldn't they? Taking place over the next few weeks, including the Sunshine Beer Festival. And this is at Tinmouth Rugby Club. And it's on from the 21st to the 23rd of July. Find out more, of course, in our podcast notes or visit, of course, southdevon.camera.org.uk. So if you're planning a trip down to the coast and want to check out the beer festivals, pubs and breweries on the way, you should enjoy our final interview because Simon Webster's chatting with South Devon Beer Festival organiser Edgar Halton. The branch is located in one of the loveliest parts of England in South Devon. It's a large branch in terms of area. We have 17 breweries in the branch, most of them, all of them independent breweries, and there are a whole range and diverse set of breweries, each of them working very closely with Canberra, and we work with them. Any notable uh, pubs that you'd like to mention, perhaps some regulars in the Good Beer Guide, for example? Yeah, I I can, especially only recently. We have, in fact, awarded our pub of the year was the Tally Ho at Little Hempston. That's just outside Totnes. Interesting pub. It was actually taken out of, uh, of extinction and bought as a community pub about eight years ago. They have now sold a lease and we have a very successful couple running it and Cameron members have been involved on the committee of that pub and continue to be involved. Yeah, I think this is a model which maybe has more relevance now than it did five years ago. Yeah, and also with this episode of the podcast being released at the beginning of July, it sounds like some very timely uh, recommendations and suggestions for pubs, as I imagine uh, other members will be venturing down to Devon on the summer holidays. Yes, certainly. Yeah, Yes, we're a magnet for tourists here, and we welcome everybody, uh, as I've said. And, uh, you know, we can certainly provide anybody that's interested in some fantastic... I think we're supposed to call them pub walks now and not pub crawls. (laughs) But when you get to my age, they're crawls, trust me. (laughs) Great. And then also, uh, later this month, I gather on the the 21st to the 23rd of July, you have a a beer festival coming up. What can you tell us about the beer festival? We certainly do. This is the first festival we had post-Covid. Last one was 2019. It's taking place on the dates you mentioned. Um, uh, The admission is £10, £8 for camera members. You get a glass, programme, beer tokens, taking place at Timmouth Rugby Club, second festival at the club, and they've been extremely supportive. There's outside seating, plenty of covered space, great transport links with buses stopping outside from Exeter and Torbay, and we're even running a shuttle bus from Timmouth Station, which is about a mile away from the beer festival. We will have 40 beers, 15 ciders, the majority from the southwest region because we have some fantastic breweries and beers. We'll have a Pim's bar plus wines plus soft drinks, free to drivers of course. Uh, we have an opening by the Mayor of Timmouth. The town crier will be there to do some crying. 
<laughs> and uh, we will have uh, pitches for caravans, motorhomes, etc., with showers and toilets. So we're, we're, we're catering for the families here. We're making sure that everybody and everybody is welcome. Uh, we will have some live music. We've got two bands, uh, one on Friday night, one on Saturday. We'll even have a live rugby match being staged on Saturday. So this is, the, everything's here. And then we've got, and you must see this, it's called pig racing. I don't know if you ever see this. There's a guy that does this. You will not believe it until you've seen it. It's the greatest fun in the world. And just as a special treat, we were approached by the Chester Catholic Schoolgirls Choir, who are doing a tour of the Southwest, and asked, could they appear and sing at our festival? That sounds incredibly I- inclusive, which is obviously a, a theme of, of this episode of the podcast. And well, um, it is, yes. I think we'll definitely have to look out on social media for some evidence of the of the pig uh, the pig racing. Yes, you uh, must do it. Yes, <laughs> later I this think month. If you, you go onto YouTube and you can pick it up. At the last festival, it was unsolicited feedback from a couple of guys, and they said that it was the friendliest beer festival they'd ever been to. I think that's the ultimate accolade, to <laughs> be honest. And yeah. we're hoping, yeah, you know, at the end of this, to have a, a new members' evening. So we we provide the new members for the, over the last three years, say, with a brewery visit, with you know some food and free beer for the new members. So we're trying to work very hard to stimulate the membership. The important thing is we want to encourage our members to be active within the branch. You know, whether it be beer scoring for the good beer guide or attending branch meetings and socials, and perhaps joining the branch committee and getting involved with the beer festival it's an inclusive social environment where all are welcome as i said earlier you don't even have to drink beer yeah. and is there is there one particular uh, objective you you've set yourself as membership secretary or a particular uh, challenge you would like to see the branch address i think the challenge is that everything in life is habit and when a habit is broken, like COVID broke a lot of our habits, is getting our members and new members back into the habit of becoming involved with camera. So the, the number of members that we have is important and it adds to campaign funds, the subscription income. But the most important thing is for the members to be active, to take part in camera activities and to have fun. I mean, I've made a whole host of friends in the 10 years I've been in this branch, purely as a result of attending meetings and being involved in activities. I can, all I can assure people is being in a branch, taking part, is a lot of fun. Our branch view of all camera activities is that we must be inclusive. Everybody is welcome. I mentioned this about our beer festival. This is even more important when we talk about members and the branch it is inclusive it really is we welcome everybody and we will give them a very warm Devon welcome to anybody who joins our branch branch membership and especially being involved in committee work does take a little bit of time not not overly but it's very difficult as I know when I was younger if you have a family you have children you have a career fitting everything in and so inevitably, the makeup of a, a branch committee will be top-loaded as far as age is concerned. 
But um, as I said to my friends, you know, everybody's getting older all the time. So last last year's 54-year-olds are this year's 55-year-olds. So we have to accept that to a degree, but at the same time, making sure that we offer a warm welcome to younger people and allowing them to be as involved as they can be, given the time constraints they may have. Yeah. And then just, again, thinking more broadly in terms of the, the, the inclusion piece, some of the larger festivals such as GBBF will run schemes uh, such as Ask for Angela or Ask for Clive where anyone who feels uncomfortable can seek support from uh, other volunteers. Is that uh, something that operates at your beer festival? Well, I would, see, I would see that as part of my role as membership secretary and that if anybody feels in any way uncomfortable about any aspect of the branch activities or any aspect of anything that we do or say that there should be a person that they can go to within the branch who can listen and take action if necessary. This will be part of the new members welcome pack that I I will be putting out as branch secretary which will be endorsed by the branch committee and I would see that as part of my role to make sure that nobody is in any way excluded or made to feel excluded. What a fantastic interview with someone who clearly feels passionate about inclusion and the stereotype of rural pubs being less welcoming or inclusive is seriously challenged with uh, Edgar's attitude too. Um, I have to say the thought of the uh, friendliest beer festival is uh, extremely tempting. Also, just thinking about things like designated drivers with free soft drinks. You mentioned that they, they have a PIMS area as well. You know, that's that's quite a, a step away from perhaps what people might have an image of a beer festival, um, you know, of years gone by. Um, I've certainly gone to, to beer festivals recently where they have a Prosecco bar. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it is it is being more inclusive, more welcoming you know, not just for people who just want to, to, to go in and, and drink different different real ales. And I have to say, the idea of pig racing, I've seen this, in fact, at a, at a, um, a show in Suffolk in, in the past, and it is a great spectator sport. Um, you, can, you can see it on YouTube as well. There's something called the League of, of Pigs, and uh, there's brilliant commentary. Curious, isn't it? Um, I think our local festival also has um, a local fruit wine producer and has their... their wines on sale as well um, but yeah that uh, interview certainly brings some good ideas for bringing a festival to life and without people like Edgar and all the other camera branch committee members our camera beer festivals just wouldn't happen and it's also great to hear that this is held at a rugby club holding a live rugby game and for all you rugby fans we've actually got some really exciting news Helen it's your first show so you get to make the announcement thank you very much so hopefully you'll all be aware that the Great British Beer Festival is coming up next month at the uh, London Olympia Exhibition Halls. And I'm delighted to announce that the attendees will have an exclusive opportunity to enter a competition to win £3,000 worth of sports travel vouchers that can be used towards any rugby travel packages, including Six Nations, Dubai Sevens and official travel packages to France. They come complete with hotels, flights, transfers and inclusions, and you can redeem them through the leading sports travel operator, MSG Tours. We'll have more details on the prize soon. That really does sound a fantastic prize, and as if you needed another reason to visit the GBBF, then look no further because, uh, yeah, we'll be there in person. So you could win three grand's worth of prizes, or you could meet us. Yeah, what's your reason for going? <laughs> See the faces behind the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
so we're, we're taking taking the podcast to the, the grounds of the festival featuring the theatre of beer and that podcast will be released on the 3rd of August. In fact, somebody just before we um, started recording this sent me an email saying, are you going to the, the GBBF this year? So um, I guess I can email back and say, yeah, looks like I am. Now, before we sign off, we need to say a special thanks to all the volunteers behind the scenes who've made today's episode happen. Uh, huge thanks to Alison Tafts and Simon Webster for supporting with the interviews, Simon Clark and Paul Hadfield for editing, and Jeff Bennett for putting the script together. And of course, thanks to our guests for coming on the show. And David, you're too modest there because oh. uh, you do a lot of editing as well. So, so thank you from us because, um, you know, I know when this goes out, it will sound absolutely seamless. But um, that's, that's because um, people haven't heard us recording it today. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's time now, um, as ever, at the end of the show for our last orders. And this is where we look at a beer that we've particularly enjoyed, or a cider that we've particularly enjoyed recently. Uh, I've had the good fortune to, to be on holiday and drinking a lot of beers from a part of the country I don't often get to and I've been to a couple of beer festivals so while I get my notebook out and go through the entire list <laughs> what, what about you what what beers have you enjoyed recently David? Oh. Uh, well I've been drinking locally I've been trying the the output from Backyard Brewhouse that are sort of about 10 miles away from where I live they're sort of on the uh, what would you say they're sort of uh, Outskirts of Walsall, Cannock and Lichfield. They're sort of in the middle of that uh, triangle. And one that's particularly sort of caught my attention at the moment is called Jigger Red. And it's described as a deep amber, almost brown beer. So I'm not quite sure if it's a mild or not, but it is really nice. It's sort of slightly sweet, but uh, 4.5%. Very nice beer. That's Jigger Red from Backyard Brew House. And Helen, what have you been enjoying? Well, uh, I've actually just started doing the beer and cider ordering at the restaurant that I work for, which has been super fun. Um, and because we're in Wales, it's been really nice to explore lots of different Welsh breweries. And we've had some stuff on from, you know, Beeriff and Swansea and Tenby. And uh, it's been it's been really great. But uh, I did actually happen to do a, a queer brewing tap takeover uh, yesterday at the restaurant which was really great Lily Waite came over we did a meet the brewer and um, the Tiny Dots which is uh, Lily's Pilsner which I've never had on draft before was absolutely fantastic so I think yeah I think that was probably that one's been a real standout for me and your job is to test all the beers before the restaurant puts them on and ciders <laughs> yeah kind of um, <laughs> how how cool is that do you need a deputy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if ever you have a holiday or anything absolutely <laughs> no. the, um, um, <laughs> every time the chefs look at me and say are we product testing today i'm like yes okay okay <laughs> <laughs> well i i've i've just um, been visiting the sort of the North Yorkshire, Lancashire, Cumbria borders. Um, and I also went to a beer festival. We talked about ale and steam on the show um, a couple of episodes ago. I've been to the North Norfolk Railway Beer Festival at Sheringham um, just at the end of June. And actually, the, the beer I've chosen, and I've had to go through the brochure and look at the ones where, where you know, um, I've kind of not just put my initial by it, but whether I've put a cross or a tick to indicate whether I liked it or not. This one's got two ticks, so it must have been really good. Um, it's from the Roosters Brewery in Harrogate, North Yorkshire, and it's called Yorkshire Pale Ale, or YPA. Um, 4.1%, a two-time gold medal winner at the prestigious World Beer Cup. Can you get any better than that? I suppose you could. It could have been a Seabob winner. But anyway, uh, still an award winner. 
pale aromatic summer ale that offers up a delicate peachy and berry fruit flavours. And I, I think that really was my beer of the festival at that particular beer festival. So, um, you know, I should look forward to hopefully seeing that again somewhere um, because I do like to go to a beer festival and drink beers that you don't see everywhere in your local area when, when you visit the beer festival. And um, Roosters of Harrogate Yorkshire Pale Ale Definitely my beer of the Sheringham North Norfolk Beer Festival. Mm. Amazing. That sounds so great. yummy. And I like mm. the um, YPA. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing you all next time at the Great British Beer Festival. Links to items we've mentioned in the show will be in the podcast notes. And do make sure to follow us on everywhere on the internet, like Twitter and Facebook. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 52 each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Durges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia... Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.